When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solody. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Cat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Also, check out our merch store, onthefinside.threadless.com. Paul and I are doing our annual Miami Dolphins seven-round mock draft. We're using a fan speak to help guide us throughout the process here. And we did this before getting on the air. And now we're going to go ahead and go through round by round of what we came up with, with how the board looked at the time. We also did uh, add a few more stipulations, too. So in the first round, for example, even if they were on the board on fan speak, then we were not allowed to take Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Nick Bosa, Quinn and Williams, or Josh Allen. And then in the second round, we eliminated a lot of the obvious players, too. Also, we said in the first couple of rounds as well that we could not select a running back, wide receiver, or a tight end either because, frankly, it's just not very realistic. We don't see the Dolphins doing that, and it's nothing that we would have done anyway. So let's get right into it, Paul. At 13, if the Dolphins are not allowed to trade down, and those five players that I mentioned are off the board, and the board falls as fans speak, had it falling, who was your first-round pick for the Dolphins? Well, I know we've talked about him a lot in a previous episode, but Brian Burns, the edge rusher out of Florida State, is a guy that really fits well with what I think Brian Flores wants to do in Miami, uh, what Patrick Graham wants to do in Miami. And given the fact that Miami's looking at a 3-4-4-3, three, four, four, three, you're going to see a few of my picks here that, that mesh well with that. But he's a guy that can put his hand in the dirt on the edge, but also come come rushing off the edge as a 3-4 linebacker or even drop into coverage sporadically. And really Burns is a guy that starts to solidify one of the biggest gaps on this Dolphins defense that seems to only have Charles Harris at this point in time. And my first round pick for the Dolphins at 13 was Brian Burns out of Florida <laughs> State. Same guy. And he's number seven overall on my Dolphins board, so he would have been the highest-rated player on my board as well. And you echoed a lot of the reasons why I took him too, Paul, is whoever the Dolphins take on defense in the first couple of rounds has to have that versatility. And Ed Oliver would, have, would be a guy that I'd like to see here, but I'm happy to see Burns as well. Some people are very all over the board on him. I mean, I, I'm looking at some of these – at some of these uh, draft nicks here, and usually a lot of them are pretty aligned closely. Some people have Brian Burns as a top five pick. Some people have him falling out of the first round completely. So what I like about him is his versatility. He really came on at Florida State last year, finally putting up double-digit sacks. He showed up at the Combine, 6'5", 250, ran a 4'5", 3. And what really shocked me with him is when he showed up and just looked so fluid playing linebacker. So I couldn't tell at the end if this guy was a 
really fast outside pass rusher or if he had some Jamie Collins in him, the ability to stand up and make some tackles there in the open field. He at least has the size to do it. It now depends if he has, if he's going to be able to tie all that together. In the second round, Paul, I went offensive line. And, and the player that I came away with, I was deciding between a couple of guys. I came away with Eric McCoy, the center out of Texas A&M. This is a, a player who can be very plug-and-play at the center position. Three-year starter at Texas A&M. Throughout this pre-draft process, he's gone. He's really risen up the board a lot. You're even seeing him in some mock drafts as a late first-rounder. But I think the Dolphins may be pleasantly surprised with who they see there at 48 in the second round. And Eric McCoy may be one of these guys as well. Possible plug-and-play guy. I, I think he would play center. And maybe Dan Kilgore would kick over to the guard spot, depending on how the rest of the draft shakes out. So who did you come away with in the second round? Yeah, for me, I, I agonized between two players. And one was an offensive lineman, as you said, and the other was a wide receiver. I know we had the rule, but Andy Isabella is a guy that I think if he is on the draft board and Miami doesn't like their offensive line options, they'd probably go with. But for me here, at the end of the day, there's a guy I've been high on all throughout this draft process. He's been sneaking into a lot of first rounds. But I did I did play the board the way it fell to me, and it's not unrealistic for him to still be available uh, with, in round two here for Miami. And that's Chris Lindstrom out of Boston College. He has really impressed uh, this offseason. He is more of a run blocker per se, but that's mainly because BC had a run-heavy offense. But really, he excelled as a pass blocker when he, when he got the chance, uh, and, and I just think he is going to be a start, a 10-year starter for whoever drafts him. And, well, we talked about gaps on the D side of the ball. There's a lot of gaps on the offensive line right now as we speak. So I, I think he's plug and play, throw him right in from day one. Yeah, that's another player that people seem to be all over the board on. I mean, Mel Kuyper had him going 17th overall in his recent mock draft. But also – you have a few other people like, for example, Matt Miller and Daniel Jeremiah, who don't have him as a top 50 player. Partially, I think that's because he's an offensive guard. Uh, so are you, we're both addressing pass rusher in the first round, offensive line in the second. Who's your third round pick? So I, I took O-line in the second, and the way that the draft board fell to me in the third round, I wound up going right back to the guard spot again. Well, with Nate Herbig out of Stanford, I mean, he's a guy that if his biggest issues are weight-related, if he gets with a good strength and conditioning program and, and people that drive him, he is only going to improve. So I kind of played the upside with Herbig. He may not be the starter day one, but I could see a scenario where as the season wears on, as he gets his frame a little bit better, he's suddenly one of those guys that's also a 10-year starter, and suddenly you've solved both guard spots in, in, in the first three rounds of this draft while adding a pass rusher. Yeah, and with Lindstrom and with Herbig there, two guys that may not have quite as much, much upside at the position that they play, but I don't care about upside in offensive linemen. We've talked about that. I want somebody who's going to line up and block the guy in front of them, and there are a lot of players in this draft that can do that. I stuck with the offensive line as well in the third round. I was surprised to see right tackle Titus Howard there out of Alabama State. I don't think that's unrealistic that he's there, though. I mean, 
yeah, he's six five, three twenty two. He played at a he played at a small school, and he was he's strictly a right tackle. And he does need to like Herbig does need a little bit of help with weight and conditioning. But when he showed up to Senior Bowl week, he definitely held his own. He looked like one of the best players out there. And from there, he started to get more into the conference. He's emerged from a mid-rounder more to that second-round type of area, too. So if if you've got that, now you may have some options where you can potentially kick uh, Jesse Davis back inside the right guard and hopefully have, have Howard being your day one right tackle. In the fourth round, I went uh, back to some old reliable for the Miami Dolphins, and I took Christian Miller, the linebacker from Alabama. He kind of has a Kenyon Drake-like stock coming out of Alabama at a different position. I mean, this is somebody who didn't really get a he, – he was kind of – in the mix with a lot of those Alabama recruits and players for a long time, finally got a chance this past year to play and made the most out of it. I mean, he had eight sacks where the rest of his career, he didn't get that many snaps. So he only had four sacks before this season. And at the combine, a lot, a lot of times this stuff doesn't stick out for me a whole heck of a lot, but it did for him. He had, he had a winks or his arms were 35 and one eighths inches. And in comparison, Devin whites, who's probably going to go in the top seven, his arms were 32 and an eighth. I mean, so he has a long wingspan, very good speed. And he started to really turn it on here this upcoming year. And again, I think that Brian Flores is going to like the versatility of this kid as well. Paul, who'd you go with in the fourth round? You know, I, I love that you use the line, Brian Flores is going to like his versatility as well, because my fourth round pick here is a guy that if he is still on the board when Miami picks in the fourth round of every one of the players that I picked for this, this year's draft, this is a guy that I could see Flores, if he even gets a wink of, of footage of this kid, I could see him being the one pounding the table and telling Chris Greer, look, I want this guy. Uh, I went with Jalen Ferguson, uh, edge rusher out of Louisiana Tech. He's a guy that can put his hand down in the dirt, similar to Brian Burns, but he can also come from the from the you know stand up position as well. Gives Miami a ton of flexibility. He sets the edge fantastically against the run. Shows a lot of patience. He's got a multitude of moves, and he's very quick off the edge once he makes a decision. Um, he gets a hold of a guy, he brings him down, and, and really, if you watch him. When he goes on block, he does a beautiful job of setting up and reading the play and reacting to it. And that's everything I want in edge rusher. He can play three downs, and he relegates Charles Harris to kind of a specialist role, which really allows Miami to do some fun things with their defense all of a sudden now that they've got the personnel back in-house again. And Jalen Ferguson out of Louisiana Tech – uh, all-time career sack late leader in the NCAA, 45 sacks over a span of four years. He had six in 2015 as a freshman, 14 and a half in 2016, uh, seven in 2017, and then this past year he had 17 and a half. So the production, without question, is there. Falling a little bit because he may not be the greatest athlete, but like you said, he does have that size to set the edge. And in the fourth round, somebody that represents a lot of very good value. 
I'm going to throw it back to you for the fifth rounder, Paul. So for the fifth round, I went with a little bit of a project. I went with offensive tackle William Sweet at a University of North Carolina. He's a guy that he tore his ACL in 2017. He, he's a little bit raw, but he's got all the measurables you could ever ask for. And, and you plug, you sit him behind Jesse Davis. He can play left tackle as well, even though he struggles a little bit with speed rushers. You sit him behind Jesse Davis. He can play left tackle in a pinch. And you develop this kid. And suddenly you may be coming away with your offensive line starters of the future at the two guard spots and right tackle out of this year's draft based on the upside play with, with him. And, and yeah, no, I, I just, I love what he could bring to the table for Miami. And even in a worst case scenario too, I mean, if, if the guy can play a little bit, he has that versatility to be that left tackle, right tackle swing man. And we've seen that how much, uh, Sam Young and Jason Fox have played over the years. And if you can get somebody like that filling that role, but is more talented, you're definitely going to have something to work with there. So fifth round, I mean, we're kind of going right down the board here. Very, very similar in how we, we thought about this. I went all back to the offensive line too. And I, I took left guard Ben Powers from Oklahoma. Uh, I would well, be elated to see, to see to see him at this point in the draft. I mean, there the thing is with Powers, there's nothing special about him. He just shows up and he does his job. I mean, he reminds me a lot of a, a lot of Josh Sitton's stock a decade ago when he came out of college. I mean, he fell in the draft to the fourth, fifth round because he's strictly a guard. He shows up, he does his job, he does it very well. And that Oklahoma offensive line should have four players drafted in the first five rounds or so uh cody ford could end up going in the first round but six four three hundred and thirteen pounds and i like how he has a very wide base and pass protection too so it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up settling up right next to laramie tunzel and being a very good pro that that can get in the lineup very quickly so seventh round Paul, my first pick was the Dolphins have two seventh-round picks. I went with defensive tackle, defensive end, Armand Watts out of Arkansas. 6'5", 298 pounds. And I expect him to fall really to this area because he ran a, what, a 5'240", and had 40 bench, or had, uh, excuse me, just 20 bench press reps. But he plays a lot stronger than that. And a stat from Pro Football Focus that I found mind-blowing is that he actually had a better pass rush grade from them than than they had for Ed Oliver or Rashawn Gary. So the production is certainly there. He just doesn't have the measurables. But I could see them – I could see this guy saddling up as a backup defensive end and maybe pushing into a starting spot like a former Arkansas defensive tackle, Darius Phylon, who was a former six-round pick and got his second contract this year. Who'd you go with in the seventh round there, Paul? Man, we've done all these picks and we don't have a quarterback yet. But for my first pick of the seventh round, I went ahead and took Easton Stick off the board. And I know we're going to be talking about him a lot in one of our upcoming quarterback episodes, so I won't beat it to death. But he is a tremendous upside player that I know we've talked about a lot leading up to this point. I know we're going to be talking about some more. But really, the value that's there, putting him behind Fitzpatrick, seeing what he's got as we go through training camp. And, hey, he could be a guy that develops into something special 
and I know we've talked about him a lot in, in the same breath as Tyree Jackson and in the same breath, breath as Will Greer. Uh, so I went ahead and took Easton Stick off the board here. And uh, I'll let you do the do the, do the honors because I know I'm going to get a little bit of a soapbox for uh, my second seventh-round pick. My second seventh-round pick was Easton Stick. So we've <laughs> so we've got two the, two uh, two players that are the same: Brian Burns and Easton Stick. Yeah, I and I see a quarterback in this draft falling into that into the final two rounds. Easton Stick could end up going in the fourth round. He could end up being undrafted. These quarterbacks, their stock is extremely versatile, or excuse me, volatile. And, yeah, I mean, when you look at him, over the last two years, 46 touchdowns, just 15 interceptions. He ran one of the fastest three-cone drills, if not the fastest, in the entire combine. I'm not talking about quarterback, but in the combine. And usually I don't care much about that stuff, but it, it speaks to his athleticism. I think he can get out of the pocket. And I think his mechanics are a lot further along just spinning the football than some of the other players that you may have seen taken at the quarterback spot in the middle of this draft. So that was my final pick, and I will kick it back to you for your final pick in the seventh round. So just so our listeners know uh... – I absolutely cheated in the seventh round here. The guy that I've been staring down, and he's rapidly rising up, one of my favorite players in the in this draft. It, it wasn't listed uh, on this fan speak mock. I mean, I know he's listed on a couple different draft boards. He wasn't in the one that we were on. I, I hunted for like 20 minutes for the kid, double-checked after the fact that he wasn't taken. But P.J. Johnson, the Juco transfer out of Arizona, he, he only played one season for Arizona. But this kid is a monster. He's six three and a half. He can play nose. He can kick out to defensive end. He's got the athleticism of a linebacker at 335 pounds playing along that defensive front. And I can't help but feel that Flores, based on his time in New England and his scheming, based on what we've heard thus far, Miami wants to get more flexible on defense. And we've had that theme throughout some of our draft thus far. And P.J. Johnson, if you have not watched footage of this kid, which you probably have not, go out and watch it. it. This kid is utterly amazing, could come in and push for a starting role immediately, at least situationally, uh, right out of the rip, and he is going to impress you. Uh, he was even better at defensive end than at nose, and he was a force at the nose position. I have seen him, and I was impressed with him. And he's somebody who was not invited to the Combine, Six four three twenty three, and he ran a five point zero nine at that size. Put up twenty bench press reps too. So somebody who definitely should have been invited. And these are the types of players in the final round that are really sneaking under the radar. I mean, you look back at just a couple of years ago, Vincent Taylor was a sixth rounder. Davin Gotcha was one of the last picks of the fifth round. And I remember years and years ago they they drafted a guy named Jermaine Haley in the seventh round who out of a Butte junior college who, and this is kind of a similar type of pick, similar type of stock here with PJ Johnson. So very interesting, Paul, like it's, so we have two picks that are the same first round, Brian Burns, seventh round Easton stick. And then in the middle, I think we had the exact same positions, just different players. 
pretty close. I mean, you had a true linebacker in yours. I had basically with Burns and uh, Ferguson, I, I had two guys that are going to be flipping back and forth between putting their hand in the dirt and standing up. But, yeah, I mean, we pretty much are, are in the same vein here. I know it's something that we've talked about throughout our draft coverage thus far as far as what we kind of expect based on the personnel on the roster now. Uh, so, really, I like the way this is shaping up. And one little caveat I do want to throw out there because it's something that has been getting to me more and more in a good way is Miami's expected to have about 12 draft picks next next year's draft on top of the ones that they have in this year's. So I don't expect Miami is going to just sit pat and let the draft board fall to them. I think they're going to be moving up. I think they're going to be moving down when there's not a player they want to go up for. I think there are going to be a few times they stay pat, but I think you're going to see Miami jumping all over the place. I really like the approach that Greer has going into this draft. I absolutely agree. I'd be very surprised if they ended up staying at 13 for any reason. Um, so I'll throw it back to you, Paul, on, on this. If, if the board went like Fanspeak had it going and Brian Burns is sitting there at 13, you know, give or take the offer, would you be looking to trade down at that spot or would you want to dig your heels in and take Brian Burns? I'd still be good for a trade down. Uh, it, it's There are so many edge rushers and offensive linemen in this draft that really impress me. And, you know, I, I walked away with another starter in my mind in, in the fourth round at the edge position. So I love Brian Burns. I love what he brings to the table. I wouldn't be upset if they take him. But if you look down at, say, Oakland, who has two picks in the 20s in this this year's draft, or if somebody wants to trade 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 up and give you a first next year that you think it could turn into a top 15, take it please. You've got the ammo at that point to do whatever the hell you want to do. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm good with moving down and say taking Risner and then shifting my draft from there. Yeah. I like Dalton Risner more and more each day. That's for sure. I watched three games of his, of his yesterday. It looks like even he has some Lane Johnson in him. I'm not saying he's that type of player, but man, I mean, we'll, we'll get to him when we get to the offensive line part of that. But the point being is if you can trade down from 13 into the twenties, say you even just get a second round pick that I still think that's worth it. I, I have six players I'm looking at right now at, at the top that I would not trade down if they're on the board. That's Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Bosa, Quinn and Williams, Josh Allen and Oliver in no particular order. If any of those six guys are there, I'm staying at 13. Otherwise I'm definitely trading down as much as I can. That will do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins seven-round mock draft. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us over. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fifth left. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do.